Hello and welcome to The Good Robot Andy's Season 6, Episode 11. Uh, my name's Andy Balam and this is... Andy Cockerell. And the film we're going to talk about this evening is... Ad Astra. But actually, we were just gossiping. Yeah, we were. Uh, and we were like, oh, hold on, this is gold. <laughs> we should record this. And now you, you get to decide whether it's actually gold or not. <laughs> so, I can't remember what we were talking about. Uh, I was just saying I went to see Joker last night. Right, right, right. I, that, I'm quite excited about that. It looks good. Is it good? Well, I think the trailers were amazing. Okay. I think some of the best cut trailers I've seen since the original Alien. The original okay. trailer for Alien. Is I haven't seen any trailers. I've only seen posters. Absolute banger. Um, okay. I'd watch anything with Joaquin Phoenix in. Right. I think uh, we talked about um, You Were Never Really Here. Mm-hmm. Was that either this year or last year, which is um, just an amazing piece of work. He's on fantastic form in that. So Joker, I found Joker to be very nihilistic. Okay. And had no counterpoint. Okay. To, to there the are some nihilism. films you like that are like that though, aren't there? Yeah, but they have some kind of counterpoint to it. They have, they have something okay. to offset all of the grimness somewhere. The um, Joker doesn't. It doesn't have that. So, you know, if you think about... Um, uh, the the Christopher Nolan Batman movies. Meh. Okay, but the middle one with Heath Ledger as the Joker, who plays the Joker as a kind of alien, as as a mm-hmm. human being that you don't really recognise as a human being. Mm-hmm. Um, an amazing performance. It kind of unbalances the movie, but there is a counterpoint to the nihilism and the anarchy. Mm-hmm. And there's that you don't have that in Joker. It's is just Batman two hours of... Joker. Pardon? Is Batman in Joker? No. Okay. No. So there's no counterpoint. There's no balance. It's all darkness. It's all nihilism. It's all... Someone right. just wants to watch the world burn kind of thing. Sounds pretty cool. Um, I think... It, it, visually, it's really good. Stunning, right. stunning looking movie. It looks... It, it's set in uh, some unspecified 1980s timeline... Um, it looks grubby, so mm-hmm. New York looks grubby and dirty. Uh, very taxi driver look mm-hmm. looking. So I think maybe they've used specific lenses to make it look like that. Right. Um, so looks great. Phoenix is good, but I think he was better in You Were Never Really Here. Okay. Um, but you might enjoy it. I mean, it has definitely polarized audiences and critics. I mean, it's just a silly. Superhero type movie, right? So why do I even care? Well, exactly. You don't like those movies, so... Meh. I have a history of um, caring more about Batman ones than um, whatever the other thing is. Okay, well, you know, Chris Marvel. Nolan's... I think the first two of his Batman movies are some of the best movies of the 2000s. The third one is basically a pile... Not a pile of junk, it's, but it's not good. It's I like good. the original Batman. I mean, not original, you know. The first what? Batman film. Michael Keaton. Yeah. Yeah, because Michael Keaton's got that twisted, weird energy about him. Um, as both Batman and Bruce Wayne. And that's what gives it an edge. Yeah, it, uh, Batman is a, a weird character. He's, he believes he's, he can like right all the wrongs in the world. And he does yeah. it using his massive privilege. Yes. Plus, plus is uh, the fact that he has never recovered from these traumas as a child. 
Yeah, He's never so, never got over them. Never sought therapy to get over them. His it, therapy is to go out dressed as a bat and beat people yeah. up. <laughs> it's right to portray him as an, a strangely wooden, not likable mm. or sympathetic character. Yeah, definitely. Because I don't think he is very sympathetic. He, he is... Um, I was discussing this with someone at work today, actually, saying that, that Bruce Wayne slash Batman is chaotic good. In D and D terms, is that D and D? Yeah, um, the Joker is very much chaotic evil, or even lawful evil, right? <laughs> but the chaos is there. Surely he's chaotic. I don't know. I wouldn't maybe. know about these things. Yeah, maybe he is chaotic. Yeah, um, but certainly Batman wouldn't be above doing a deal with a villain in order to get what he wants. Yeah. Uh, whereas someone like Superman would never do that. No, because he's lawful good. He's pretty boring. Oh, yeah. Well, yes, with the caveat that, you know, Christopher Reeve was an amazing Superman. Slash Clark Kent. Only Christopher Reeve in Superman is massive. He's like Arnie size huge. (laughs) And, you know, you walk into a room and you think, okay, well, there's only one dude who's as big as that, so you must be Superman. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe Arnie should do... uh... Some Superman film? Well, no, that's that's Superman's too boring. Maybe Arnie should do some superhero films. I think what well, he did. Other than L- the running man, lest you forget, he was in Batman and Robin. Oh yeah, <laughs> and uh. it, it's such a weird disconnect in that movie between the way that Arnie delivers his lines <sighs> and the way that George Clooney delivers his lines. So Luke Clooney looks like. He's on sleeping pills whilst he's, he's whilst he's doing it, and Arnie's like, "It's time to kick some ice." <laughs> you know what? I don't think I've seen that. Oh, it's so bad. They like double I, down I on the camp, think. double down on the camp, and just go for it. <laughs> that really, could have been good, maybe, but it wasn't. But not with George Clooney. Clooney just looks utterly, <laughs> utterly out of his depth. <laughs> Okay, anyway, so um, Ad Astra, which I've seen posters for. Yeah, um, actually, let's just briefly talk about the film that I was going to talk about tonight. Okay. So I was going to talk about a movie called Under the Silver Lake, Mm -hmm. which which I had been looking forward to. And I thought, okay, I'm going to watch that before we do this pod. Uh, Listener, it's no surprise we're not talking about that film because I hated it. (laughs) (laughs) Even though I was really excited to be to be watching it it's um mm. on That's paper the strongest negative opinion you've ever given on this podcast yeah on paper it sounds like it could be up my street so it's a kind of um uh, modern neo-noir set in los angeles so that ticks a couple of my boxes i like a neo-noir um like detective story mm-hmm. about a shambling stoned guy so you know sounds good sounds a bit big lebowski maybe at the moment Mm-hmm. Um, but it was just leery and rambling and two hours and 20 minutes. Yeah, really, two hours and 20 minutes. Wow. Um, Andrew Garfield wandering around Los Angeles uh, looking answers Francis to a question that I just didn't care about. <laughs> and it featured a lot of nudity, of, uh, of female nudity, but no male nudity. Mm-hmm. And as I was watching that, I was thinking, somebody hasn't read the Me Too manual on this um on this movie Mm. so um, we won't be talking about that tonight so based solely on the title yes um, I suggest that 
Ad Astra is a rollicking Disney adventure. Well, actually, no, I think it's... Um, I just did an air grab. <laughs> air grab. <laughs> um, what's the studio? Studio Ghibli. It's a Studio Ghibli thing uh, based in Roman times. Oh. About a small child who gets lost and eventually finds their way home, but on the way meets some fascinating and hyper-real characters. Would watch. <laughs> oh, by the way, listener, you were supposed to contact us with... What was it? Um, <laughs> but if we oh, can't why, remember, how why can we no contact us? You were supposed to contact us, listener, with um, mini film summaries based on the titles of real films, but fictional summaries. Oh, and you yes. were supposed to suggest to us uh, fictional film titles that we could do mini summaries of. You didn't okay. do that, and that's why you can't have nice things. Everywhere. So, listener, um, we're, we're reasonably sure there's at least there's one or more of you out there because there's some downloads from the website. Yes. Um, maybe if I... If I post on social media reminding you, listen, and perhaps you'll uh, perhaps you'll send us those things. We well, can I've play got, our I've game. Got one Please play with actually. us. Just before we start um, mm-hmm. talking about Ad Astra, mm-hmm. I've got a question for listener, and indeed mm-hmm. for you, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, I watched Airplane with my son yeah. on Saturday night, and he was on his phone quite a lot, and he kept missing sight gags. So I was laughing, and he was going, what? And I was going, you've missed it. You've just missed another sight gag. Um, but... yeah. How many times does well, that's Leslie why he Nielsen can't have nice things? Uh, yes, exactly. How many times does Leslie Nielsen say, "I just want to say good luck. We're all counting on you." <laughs> right. I think I know the answer. Okay. Should I not say it? No, don't say it. I think listeners should, um, without looking at the internet, listener. Yeah. Or indeed, watching the movie. Okay. How many Aunt, times does listener, he say? Answer now. Yep. My answer is four times. Okay, that's an answer. Do you want to know what the actual answer is? <laughs> yeah. It's three. Oh, so I three. thought it was two, but it's three. Okay. So he says okay. it once before they hit turbulence. Yeah. Another time when they hit the turbulence. And then the last time after they've actually landed, the crash landed. And he delivers it in exactly the same way every time. <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> okay. So anyway, uh, Ad Astra... Yes. Where do we begin? How right am I with my summary? Well, I said I would watch the Studio Ghibli that you were uh, describing, mm-hmm. um, but uh, you are not correct. Not I'm even not in correct. the right. No, not not even close. Okay. Not even close. So, Ad Astra is a 2019 American science fiction adventure film, produced, uh-huh. co-written, and directed by James Gray, whose previous movie, which was called The Lost City of Z, or Z, depending on where you live, <laughs> um, I have seen and didn't really like very much. Um, but I did like what he was trying to do with it. So, uh, But anyway, Ad Astra stars Brad Pitt, Tommy Lee Jones, Ruth Negger, Liv Tyler, and Donald Sutherland. Um, and it follows okay, an astronaut. That's an interesting collection of people. Yeah, it is a pretty disparate group of uh, cast, that isn't it? Yeah. Uh-huh. So it follows an astronaut played by Pitt, who goes into space in search of his lost father, 
whose experiment threatens the solar system. So is this sci-fi? Yes. It's, How far in the future is it? Uh, I would... It, I don't think it's ever stated, but it doesn't seem to be too far into the future. Okay, okay. So but it's fu- gone off into space. Yeah, a future where the Moon and Mars have both been colonised. So let's say within the next hundred years, probably, mm-hmm. um, somewhere. Um, the project was announced in early 2016 with James Gray saying he wanted to feature, in quotes, the most realistic depiction of space travel that's ever been put in a movie. Mm-hmm. End quotes. I think that's a you know, lofty ambition. Mm-hmm. Um, so Pitt signed on to star in 2017. It was shooting in 2017. Um the film has been We compared. like Pitt. I do. You do as well, don't you? Yes. I yes. liked I liked World War Z. I thought he was terrific in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Which I haven't watched. Um certainly I, mean, I like him in Snatch. I haven't seen Snatch. I know you I like you him rate in, him uh, in Snatch a great I like him in um Fight Club. Yeah. Although I'm still the ju- my jury is still out on Fight Club. I still find it to be, I don't know, there's something missing for me from Fight Club, but I'm not really sure what it is. I loved Fight Club when it came out, but I immediately think it was, um, it was, what's the right word? It's its own message entirely invalidated itself Yeah. as a film. Yeah, absolutely. What, the, the whole kind of consumerism and... Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um... So, Ad Astra has been compared to Heart of Darkness from a okay. novel by Joseph, Joseph Conrad, as well as um, Apocalypse Now, which is based on Heart of Darkness. But it's not based on a book itself, no. Ad Astra? No, no, no. Okay. Um, produced by 20th Century Fox. In fact, it's one of the last movies to be released by Fox after the Disney acquisition or the Disney Fox merger as it's been known but you know I don't think anybody merges with Disney do they (laughs) I don't no I've never merged with Disney no it had its premiere at the Venice Film Festival in August this year so it's brand spanking new I don't think we've had anything this brand spanking new since maybe Arrival or Baby Driver yeah I don't think we've we've reviewed many films whose posters are still up yeah so I think those two Arrival and Baby Driver were two that we reviewed Mm -hmm. I talked about very soon after their release, and this is like right. this is another one of those. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so it was released this month. Oh, sorry, last month, September, by Walt Disney. Uh, received positive reviews with universal praise for Pitt's performance. There's okay. talk of Academy Awards. I don't think that's going to happen. Purely because don't normally the, get them for sci-fi, do you? No, I think we've discussed that before. Is that sci-fi doesn't play well with the Academy? Um. Don't really know why. Anyway, if it was a Studio Ghibli costume drama, well, maybe maybe it would. Yeah, maybe it would. Um, Excuse me. Oh dear. Um, So, music by Max Richter, as in "See What the Party Richter," (laughs) and uh, cinematography by Hoyt van Hoytemer, who uh, also shot Interstellar, one of your favourite movies. (laughs) <laughs> Boring. Yeah. Um, so it looks great. Mm-hmm. So the plot is that in the near future, 
the solar system is struck by mysterious power surges threatening all human life. So these power surges cause uh, vital systems like electricity and you know um, power grids to fail. Mm-hmm. Um, nobody, nobody really knows where they're coming from, but then NASA start to piece things together and they discover that the surges have been traced to the Lima project which was created to search the limits of the solar system for intelligent life, to, to search outside the solar system. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but nothing's been heard from that project for 16 years after it reached Neptune. Okay. Um, however, um, Pitt is then informed by NASA that his father may still be alive because he led the project. And he accepts a mission to travel to Mars and then to try and establish communication with him. Uh, okay, so they think he's uh, he's somewhere near Neptune, but he's travelling to Mars in order to... Yes, to try and make contact. Mm-hmm. Um, so what we have here is... Uh, it's basically a road movie in space. Okay. And I like a road movie. So are they, are they, is there more than one person then? Initially, yeah. So he travels to Mars with um, Donald Sutherland. Mm-hmm. Sorry, not Mars, the moon with Donald okay. Sutherland. Um where we we have our first big set piece there. So this is this is a mixture of like hard sci-fi in terms of the space travel and sort of rollicking Disney adventures type. <laughs> um, uh, so when they get to the moon, uh, Pitt has a voiceover telling us what's going on, <laughs> okay. which which some people have issue with. I didn't really have a problem with it. Yeah. Um. Um. What what it what transpires is that the moon, because you know humans can't play nicely together, mm-hmm. the moon has become just another contested territory. Okay, and there are essentially pirates on the moon who will try and steal uh, stuff from like moon lunar landers and you know things like that. Try and steal medical supplies and things of that kind. Do they live under domes on the moon? Uh, they live underground. Okay, okay. Um, so I think in the kind of scenario that <clears throat> um, is being mooted, uh, living in canyons and in craters, mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. you're protected from the somewhat from the from the, um, the radiation. Okay, okay. Um, so those scenes are really effective. So there's a scene where where they have to take moon rovers from the landing stage to the dark side of the moon, which is where the um, uh, the rockets are launched to Mars from the dark mm-hmm, side mm-hmm. of the moon. Because the dark side of the moon isn't really dark, it's no. just facing away from Earth. Exactly, yeah. Uh, and ideally placed to launch um, yeah. rockets into the further parts of the solar system. Mm-hmm. So they have to take moon rovers to get there, and whilst they're on their way there, they get marauded by some pirates. That's a really exciting scene. It's really well mm-hmm. done, um, very effectively staged. Uh, they survive that, but Donald Sutherland is injured and he can't go any further. But he kind of drops some hints that he thinks that his father is still alive. Okay. Um, so he takes a uh, Brad Pitt's character takes a rocket to Mars, or a spacecraft to Mars, or with a crew who. Um, so ranging, they seem to have been in space for quite a long time. They're a little bit loopy. <laughs> um, and the co-pilot is 
decidedly flaky in terms of temperament. Okay. So they reach Mars and the co-pilot has a case of the jitters and can't land the rocket, but Brad Pitt takes over because he's a pilot. He lands the rocket and he turns to the co-pilot and he says, um, there's no need for anyone to know about this. Um, you just go about your day, you know, basically telling him, I'm not going to tell anybody that I landed it, mm-hmm. basically, because he shouldn't really be in control of it. Yeah. Um, so he gets to Mars where he is escorted. Mars, so the, the lighting state, what's interesting about this is that the lighting state changes depending on where they are in the solar system. So mm-hmm. the moon is very harsh, mm-hmm, black mm-hmm. and white tones, very harsh lighting. They get to Mars, obviously it's red mm-hmm. um, because the atmosphere is full of dust. Um, uh, it's red, uh, as in we've seen things like Total Recall when things are quite shaded red on Mars. Um, <laughs> again, they've got issues with territory on Mars and um Things are a little bit off-grid there in, mm-hmm. in a way. But he is then escorted to a sound booth where he records a message that is going to be broadcast in the vicinity of Neptune so, so okay. they can make contact with his father. Couldn't he have done that from Earth? Um, I suppose he could, but I think if he does it from Mars, then it will get there quicker because it's significantly <laughs> closer. I think maybe that's the reason for it. Yeah, but it took him quite a while to get to Mars. Yes, it did. Um, yeah. Like slower than light, you know. Yes, definitely slower than yeah. light. I'm not really sure what propulsion system they use on these spacecraft, but it's quite hefty. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but obviously, you don't need as much propulsion if you're launching from the far side of the moon. Yeah. Um, you don't need to escape Earth's gravity. Uh, so he, he sends the message... And then they are waiting for a response. And it appears that the people in the booth who are listening to his voice are then listening for a response. It then appears that they do get a response. Okay. But they close down the conversation. They won't talk to him about whether they actually got a response or not. So he gets really paranoid mm-hmm. and worried. That it's going weird. Yeah, that, that they're trying to hide something. What does that astro mean? Uh, to the stars. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's not so useful. No. Um, <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there, there's. Um, so he then, he's told that uh, his mission is finished and that the team that took him to Mars from the moon is going to be going to Neptune to try and ascertain what's going on. Okay, but he's supposed to go home. Yes. But he insists that he won't. He doesn't want to go home. He wants to find his father. He has unresolved father issues. Yeah, I'm not that surprised to hear that. No, no surprise at all. Um, I mean, especially, particularly as Tommy Lee Jones is his screen father and Tommy Lee Mm -hmm. Jones is a curmudgeonly um, Mm -hmm. so-and-so. So, he um, basically forces his way onto the ship that is heading to Neptune. Because he's Brad Pitt. Because he's Brad Pitt. He's too good looking to turn away. Absolutely. A struggle ensues and he is then solely in charge of that. No, he's not solely in charge of it. No, he's not solely in charge. There's um, him and the co-pilot. But they receive a distress call 
And in, you know, in true road movie style, they take a bit of a detour. <laughs> and that detour is to a, um, uh, a, a Norwegian research, biomedical research space station, uh-huh. which is in the vicinity of Mars. Okay. Uh, they have a distress call, but they can't make contact. Um, what they find there is escaped animals, including a baboon, which um, it appears that the animals have escaped and are killing. And we have baboon in zero gravity, which is as scary as you think it would be. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very effective um, sequence. So we see that when he enters the space station, um, we see uh, something has attacked a human. Mm-hmm. But he can't see what it is. And then he, he sort of goes around a corner and down this long tube and there's this uh, human facing away with him with something gnawing on his face. Right. And then that something kind of reveals itself and it's a baboon. And the baboon is not happy. <laughs> that um, sounds good. He then uh, he manages to, to to lock the baboon in another module. He depressurizes the module. Um, but the captain who was attacked is uh, has been dead. Is dead. Um, so that seems like a strange distraction. Yes. Oh, actually, no. I'm. I've got out of sync here. So that happens before they get to Mars. Sorry. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. So the captain's died, which is why the co the co pilot the um. Oh, the captain of the ship. Okay. okay. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Okay, yeah. So yeah. I got out of sync there. Yeah. So the space station is between mm-hmm, Earth mm-hmm. and Mars. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. So. Yeah. So then he yeah sends the transmission. They receive something back, or they appear to receive something back, but they don't want to tell him what it is. He's then told that the ship that he arrived at Mars is going to be leaving for Neptune with a nuclear payload. They want to destroy the Lima project. Mm. He's not happy. He's not happy. No, he wants to try and save his father. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so, yeah, he makes his way onto the ship and uh, the rest of the crew are killed in, the, in a very brutal and very effective fight scene that uh, features... A um, a canister of something, something toxic being opened inside the um, spacecraft. He's got a spacesuit on. They haven't. So, so he just uh, kills them all. Uh, yeah, it's not pleasant. Not pleasant at all. He's kind of lost his mind at this moment, I think. Mm. Um. So, uh, and on the way to Neptune, he sort of reflects on his father and his life and, you know... In that that kind of thing, basically killing all those people. Yeah, it, that's where it all goes a bit Terence Malick. What's we, that? What does that mean? Well, I thoroughly approve of this, but but uh, Terence <laughs> Malick's an American uh, filmmaker who made um, things like The Thin Red Line, which is a a World War Two movie set in the Pacific. Mm-hmm. Uh, he made a movie called The New World. Night of Cups, which is uh, a very, very polarizing movie. Night of Cups, um, but, but but Malik frequently has sort of um, quite surreal flights of fancy during his films, in which characters kind of think about their lives and that kind of okay. thing. I love Terence Malik. I think his stuff's great, but I think he probably annoys people as much as 
people love his stuff really mm-hmm. um but anyway okay so the inner the inner world of the character yep. becomes visible but then to us. they reach uh the ship reaches neptune mm-hmm. and uh he uh he spies the lima project vessel which is malfunctioning and realizes that that is where the um the power surges are coming from okay and they are coming from it because it it it's powered by an antimatter power source okay but that power source has been damaged mm-hmm so it's causing these incredibly powerful uh, energy surges mm-hmm. that, if left unchecked, could render life in the solar system null and void. Mm-hmm. Um, so he boards the Lima Project and he finds his father still alive. Mm-hmm. Uh, he discovers that his father is as curmudgeonly and unpleasant as he was <laughs> on Earth, possibly <laughs> yeah. more so. Um and his father has gone quite mad because they were sent to the outer reaches of the solar system to try and find life outside the solar system and they failed to do so. Okay. And he can't really believe that that is the case. So okay. yeah, so his father can't really believe that they've gone to all that trouble to find that there's nothing. Mm-hmm. And he's kind of lost his mind. Uh, that's very convincing, actually, his um, his lunacy. But Pitt does convince him to put on a spacesuit and accompany him back to Earth, uh, but not before he sets a um, the nuclear charge on the ship to destroy okay. it. Okay, so blowing it up will will prevent the problem. Presumably, it will. Presumably, they figured out that they can blow it okay. up. Yeah, but his father, in one last um, kind of up yours to his son, he uh, untethers himself from him and drifts away towards Neptune. His last words to him are, you have to let me go, which is ironic, as that is exactly what's happened. Um, um, so then ensues, he then realises, uh, Brad Pitt's character then realises that although he has some control over his uh, his movement in the, spa- in the space suit, so he has like um, little jet thrusters, mm-hmm. Um, the ship that he came in is a long way away from the Lima project and he's got to get away from that um, nuclear blast. Mm-hmm. So in a moment... So how did that, this not occur to him before? Um, may, I don't know. Maybe because, <laughs> maybe because of um, writing, maybe because of plotting. Um, so he... Uh, yes, maybe his dad knocked him off course. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, actually that is the case. Yes, that is what happens. Okay. Good. In in the struggle they get knocked off course and he realizes he is that the rings of Neptune are between him Ooh. and the Cepheus, which is the name of the ship that he came on. Okay. It's got all gone a bit um Pete Tong. What's yeah. that film in the um where they're orbiting around Earth? Oh gravity. Gravity. Yeah, it's all going to make gravity. So anyway, I was but talking without, about the lighting they, state. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So on, just to reiterate, on the moon it's very bright and white and harsh. Mm-hmm. Mars is red and darker. Mm-hmm. And as they pass through the solar system on the Cepheus, when they get to Neptune, it all goes very blue, right? And cold, cold yep. and blue, and quite mm-hmm. beautiful, but very mm-hmm. bleak. Mm-hmm. So he's drifting in space, and he looks back. Um towards the sun and in a wonderful piece of you know film acting that only Brad Pitt could pull off doesn't say anything but what we see on his face is I'm not 
quite ready to give up yet. I'd like to get home, kind of thing. So that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So he um, he goes back to the uh, to the space station, the Lima Project space station. Oh, when it's going to blow up. Okay. Yeah, and he gets a piece of metal shielding, puts it in front of him like a shield, hits his thrusters, and flies through the rings. Um, okay. Which is actually very effectively done. Mm-hmm. I'm, not, I'm not sure if it's scientifically credible, but it's very exciting. Mm-hmm. So he passes through there, but he's then moving very quickly. Right. right and right. and he has to um, grab hold of the Cepheus on the way through, which he does manage to do. Okay. Um, get on board and uh, hits the thrusters to return to Earth and uses the blast to help him speed up. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that actually happens. Yeah. <clears throat> uh-huh. Um he then returns to Earth. Where and he you is... characterize this as a road a road movie. So Definitely. it's all about Yeah. It's all about the events happen to the character and it's all about the emotional journey that the character is going through. Yeah, definitely. Right? Yeah, definitely. So the, you know, um the emotional journey is discovering that his father may still be alive, then discovering that he is actually still alive, um, going to find him, being disappointed that he's still alive, maybe, uh, and then realising that he's made peace with the fact that his father's a bit of a jerk. And in fact, his father does say to him, when the, when they're on the Lima Project spacecraft, he says, I was a terrible father to you and a terrible husband and I don't want to go home. And and yet he persists because he's his father. Mm-hmm. You know, he he feels a duty to try and save him, even though his father doesn't, resolutely does not want to be saved. Um, so, do you feel like he's, uh, the Pitt character has, has reached a, a conclusion that he's happy with at the end? Yes, definitely. I think he's reached closure, which is what he didn't have. Okay. So, you know, his father left to do the Lima project and disappeared, which meant that he had no closure in his life. He had no no end game for his emotions. Right, right, right. So and I was going to ask you the normal question, but I was going to ask it differently. Okay. I was going to ask what it was that the main character learned or, or, or how was the main character uh, made a better person or whatever throughout this story okay so when we first meet him he is uh, robotic and emotionless closed down emotionally okay okay that's when we first meet him and as the film goes on uh, he becomes more animated okay and as we approach Neptune he appears to become more human and then Murders all those people. Murders those people, which is pretty brutal. And, uh, you know, I don't condone it one bit. <laughs> um, murdering people, not good, okay? Right. right, right. Um, but, uh, yeah, so we see him kind of come to realise that his father is still alive, excited, almost psychotically wanting to get to Neptune to discover if he is still alive. Mm-hmm finding that he is still alive and then having closure of the fact that his father never wanted to come home in the first place and is actually quite a bit of a jerk. 
Right, right, right. Um, so then he has to be his own person. Yes, exactly, because he's been, he's been living another life, right. in a way. The burden of the fact that his father left to do this project, but but that his father was a terrible father. It's difficult to reconcile those two things. It's pretty bleak. Um, not really. I think it's kind of an uplifting movie in the end because. But, I mean, but the resolution is. Um, the resolution is quite bleak. You yeah. have to stand on your own two feet because. Yeah, because your father's uh, a jerk. That hope that you had in your father was misplaced. <laughs> yes, definitely. I mean, I guess yeah. there's something to that, but maybe yeah. there is something to that. Yeah. Um. So I think. Uh, I really enjoyed this film. I think. Uh, visually it is a treat Mm -hmm. as I was talking about the cinematography and the lighting states and that kind of thing but also the although it is subject to flights of fancy it feels very real world it feels very grounded I think the um, the whole politics on the moon thing is something that I have hope never plays out but Mm -hmm. honestly human beings don't play nicely together so Maybe it will play out in in a way that's similar to the described in Ad Astra, whereby you have factions fighting each other on the moon in the way that they fight each other on Earth. And you've given me a sense that the moon and Mars are kind of lawless places. Yes. Because they're like frontier. Definitely. Towns. There's definitely a Wild West feel to those places. Mm-hmm. The moon is kind of more mature in its Wild Westness than Mars. Okay. Um, so there's more people. Um more people on the moon than there are on Mars. Mm-hmm. Uh, on, in, incidentally, on Mars, they live in canyons okay. to protect themselves from the radiation. So, okay. so they're, in, um, they're in structures. Uh, they haven't terraformed Mars at all. Mm-hmm. So there's no, mm-hmm. there's no um, they haven't reactivated the magnetic field like Elon Musk wants to do. <laughs> you know about this? Did you read about this? It's quite an old story now. Um, it rings a bell. Okay, so what do you? He postulated that you could put loads of nuclear weapons inside Mars and then detonate them, and okay. and restart the core. Okay, I was thinking that you just run a big magnet over it from top to bottom, and it would, okay. yeah, I'm sure that would work too. Okay, yeah, I'm sure that would work as well as detonating the <laughs> inside of the planet. <laughs> So okay. they haven't done that, and they haven't terraformed it, but they are living okay. there. Well, maybe they hadn't heard such a great idea. Well, yeah, I mean, I think that's yeah. a fantastic idea. What could possibly go wrong? Yeah. Yeah. What indeed. What indeed. Um, I really liked it. Liked it a lot. Right. I didn't like James Gray's previous movie very that much. That was the one that you said about something to a Z. The Lost City of Z slash Z, depending on where you live. What is that? It's a movie about um, an explorer in South America. Mm-hmm. Robert Pattinson is in it. Uh, Charlie Hunnam. Uh, Tom Holland. It was okay, but I thought I could appreciate what he was trying to do. In fact, there's one that we need to talk about on this, sh- on this pod uh, called Embrace of the Serpent. We should talk about that in a future pod. Okay. Um, which I'm not going to go into now, but... Um, that's a fantastic movie set, set in South America. I think it's in Peruvian rainforest. Oh, that's the connection. Okay. Yes, okay. that's the connection there. Yeah. Um, but I really enjoyed Ad Astra. I think right. it manages to combine 
rollicking thrills with existential <laughs> questions so about why we are here and right. you know what's our purpose in life right, right, right. yeah I, when I saw the uh, posters I just thought um, that looks like actual science fiction I hope it's good it is good yeah it is good and it is actual science fiction yeah well. it is actual science fiction uh, Pit is fantastic and it doesn't have a magical bit at the end no no magic. Well, apart from maybe riding the shockwave home to Earth. Yeah, okay, that's just... That's, that's, that's a cinematic... That's not magic. That's, that's a cinematic, yeah. um, you know... Yeah. Th- that's a, like, look the other way, there's nothing going on here kind of thing. Suspension of disbelief yes. is different from uh, going into the stupid dimension. The Tesseract. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that. Um, so, I think, I think based on this, that all sci-fi movies should star Brad Pitt from now on. Okay, and all movies. All movies ever, yeah. It just did strike me, speaking of all movies starring Brad Pitt, that the you haven't mentioned any female characters. That's <laughs> is that the, fair? Well, and yeah, that is fair. Uh, <laughs> female characters are not well represented, so they are only represented by um, like administrators and higher-ranking <laughs> oh, officers. And also, okay, his, right. also his wife, who's played by Liv Tyler, uh-huh. Who we see very briefly via a video conferencing thing. Um, okay. Female characters are not well served in this movie. Bit of a waste of Liv Tyler. Yeah, absolutely. So female characters not well served. If, uh, if you think that's a problem, then that's completely understandable. Well, it's just it's just part of a pattern. It's a, it's only a problem as part of a pattern, isn't it? Yeah, we've talked about this before. Yeah, it's perfectly fine to have films. Featuring male characters, it's just that all of the films seem to feature only male characters. Yeah, yeah, which is the pattern problem. Um, yeah, so one one of the crew of the Cepheus is female, uh, but obviously she dies uh, <laughs> horribly. Um, that is, yeah, that is a thing, but I don't think it's a detriment to the movie. I think the movie is still a cracking piece of entertainment, despite that flaw. Yeah, well, as I said, it's not a it's not a flaw of an individual film. It's no, it's a flaw of movies in system. general. Yeah. Um, so that sounds good. That, that is Ad Astra. So is it is the space travel claustrophobic? Yeah, very. So the so the spacecraft they travel in, they don't seem to be that far evolved from the mm-hmm. Apollo moon landings in terms of how mm-hmm. robust they are. Um, so that's why they're saying it's a realistic portrayal of yeah yeah, they're not sort of shiny Buck Rogers style Mm -hmm. spacecraft Mm -hmm. they are quite um, ramshackle so that leads me on to what what I'd like to talk about which I mentioned to you on our chat which is that I've started watching The Expanse oh yes a TV series I'd like to point out that um, I haven't bought into the uh, ridiculous siloing of TV programs onto individual platforms mm-hmm. because I'm watching it on like a free trial of Amazon Prime that I'm not going to renew <laughs> so it doesn't count so you need to hurry up and watch it then um, we've been really enjoying The Expanse it reminds me of Battlestar Galactica and that is a very good thing do you mean me. the um, the 2000s Battlestar Galactica yeah I mean the especially the mini series, which was just Amazing. Yeah, the miniseries was amazing, wasn't it? Yeah. And it gradually went downhill for me until the final episode was a huge slap in the face. <laughs> um, anyway, 
Yeah, the expanse, based in a universe where Mars and the Moon are populated a bit more than this, what you described in this film. Mm-hmm. Um, but also the asteroid belt is populated, and the underclass essentially live in the asteroid belt. Um, and it's very exciting. There's lots of action where uh, people are in jeopardy. Um, the char- the main characters, both white men, <laughs> um, are neither of them is like a classic hero. One of them is pretty unreliable, mm-hmm. and he, uh, but you really, I really like him. The other one's a bit more of a classic in that events happen to him, and whenever a choice is presented to him, he always makes the right choice, you know, morally. Okay. So he's he's a bit more standard, but he doesn't. He's not a hero type, you know. He's kind of an everyman. Mm. It works all right. Uh, the other character, the supporting characters, are really good, um, including a woman in a leading-ish role as a supporting, the most leading of the supporting characters. So this show uh, was on ne- it was on Netflix. So I think maybe it's a sci-fi. It was on show. sci-fi, um, and it was it was on sci-fi, and it was um, paid whatever you do, like licensed by Amazon Prime. Yeah, and then sci-fi cancelled it, and they did a Kickstarter campaign. The fans did a oh, Kickstarter campaign yeah, right. to fly a plane around the Amazon offices with a banner on, so asking them to make another series, which right. they are now doing. Oh, okay. So Amazon so are making series. The, the latest yeah. series. Yeah, so there's three series currently available that were made by Sci-Fi. Right. And there's a fourth series, and a fifth is going to be made that's being made by Amazon. Got it. Okay. But yeah, it's the the it's very convincing to me, world. The, um, the inside the ships just looks and feels good inside the space stations which were grubby and mm. horrible it really reminds me of babylon what babylon 5 was trying to do yes if anyone remembers babylon I 5 remember, yeah it's great babylon 5 but i think it's much more successful than babylon 5 in actually looking grubby and what in that the um, effects aren't done on an amiga well in, interestingly one of the things about it that reminds me a lot of babylon 5 is that the external special effects are a bit Shonky. Rubbish looking. <laughs> right, okay. Like the physics looks good, you know, it looks like um like in Babylon five and like in Battlestar Galactica, the you know, the momentum and things actually work. So they don't you know, the spaceships don't fly like aeroplanes yep. and things like that. Yeah. Um that looks fine. But they do look a little bit like they were rendered on a, on your home computer. Right, okay, maybe they <laughs> I'm were. sure that's a massive slap in the face <laughs> for these these uh, extremely professional designers who created them. But they look a little bit like they didn't waste too much of the budget on the external special effects. You okay. know, they spent their money on studios. There's loads of studios, loads of interiors. And they're really grubby and realistic looking. Yeah, they look good. It feels like they're really there. And they do a lot of um, zero gravity effects. Right. So you have to suspend your disbelief a bit because when they put gravity boots, when they put magnetic boots on, suddenly they base, there's basically gravity. Right, yeah. So there's only a few shots where they're actually floating around in zero G. They do it from time to time. Um, but quite often they'll like let go of a cup and it just floats off or something like that. That's a nice, that's so you, a nice touch, yeah. Yeah, so you keep being reminded of what the gravity, and the gravity state changes a lot because when the spaceships accelerate, so they do, they use that effect a lot that they, people are floating and then they hit the floor or whatever. Because mm-hmm. The spaceships maneuvering. Um, so I like all that stuff. But yeah, what I really like is that they, I really care about the characters. 
I care about their struggle. And it's like a class struggle thing. You know, there's these two, there's a cold war between these two uh, megastates, Earth and Mars. And Earth is very rich and useless and Mars is very like striving and powerful mm-hmm. because they're like, they're like a warlike, a very focused nation. And the asteroid belt is full of miners. Yeah, the asteroid belt is basically the underclass who are just exploited yep. by these powerful right. powers. Okay. Um, and you really care about that struggle. You really care about the characters, or I do. Mm. Um, I really enjoyed it, and I, the excitement has reminded me of Battlestar Galactica, which is incredibly exciting. That first first couple of series. Yeah, yeah. BSG was fantastic. Uh, it did go downhill a bit. Mm. Um, I, I confess mm. that I did try and watch The Expanse. Yeah, you you weren't so keen, right? No, I wasn't, but I think I need to revisit it based on your very enthusiastic um, uh, review of it. I think maybe I'm just easy to please because I you don't find sci-fi that's actual sci-fi very often. No, not very often, no. That's true. Uh, me and my son watched a show called uh, Salvation okay. uh, on Netflix, which is a, an American network TV show that Netflix have bought. There's, a, mm. there's only two series, and honestly, it just it's about an asteroid or a comet that is heading towards Earth, and they're trying to find ways to stop it, and it starts mm-hmm. well enough, but <laughs> I can see why it got cancelled. Right. It's just ridiculous. Honestly, it just goes to places that are just utterly ridiculous. Oh, disappointing. Yeah, very. Yeah, but good. Yeah, pretty good cast. So, and it's a good tip from you if you if you're showing a film like Airplane. To your teenagers. Yes. Slap the phones from their hands. Absolutely. Flush them down the loo. Too many sight gags. You can't be using a phone. And then... That that joke's not going to (laughs) work. No. It's going to be too awkward. Too awkward. I was going to say, flush flush them down the loo and then plug their phone back in. Hmm. But... Or something, but it doesn't... Okay. It doesn't really work. Yeah. I enjoyed Airplane. Airplane was good fun. Yeah, I reckon... Some of my children would enjoy Airplane. I should give that a go. Yeah. I mean, honestly, the gag quote in that movie just yeah. is incredible. <laughs> it is so good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It stresses me out when the um, uh, when they're not, the guitar is knocking the, oh, yes. um, the, the tube yeah. out. Oh, that still stresses me out. <laughs> What, the music or the tube coming out? Or both? The tube coming out. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Good old airplane. Always good for a laugh. <laughs> Looks like I picked the wrong week to give up smoking. <laughs> <laughs> uh, cool. Uh, is there anything else we should talk about? I don't think so. Oh, oh yes. Uh, last week, the last pod that we did, which was oh, yeah, uh, yeah. with Fran... We liked it. Uh, we liked it a lot. It had very good feedback. Um, I shared it with my workplace, <laughs> and they liked it a lot, so much that they shared it on LinkedIn. Nice. Um, which I think the first time I've had anything shared on LinkedIn, to be honest. Um, and, uh, yeah, they were like, wow, you do a podcast. I was like, yeah, I totally <laughs> do a podcast. I totally do a podcast. Yeah. Someone listened to it once. Someone listened to it once. What? They must have listened at work, so... Yeah, yeah, exactly. But anyway, um, we had feedback from Fran that she sold two books. Two books. Two whole That's what I'm talking books. about. Any minute now, dot, 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 profit. We're influencers. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I want to say thank you so much to Fran for um coming on our podcast. You're a uh, uh, you're an awesome expert, and it was a great privilege to have you on. Thank yes, you very much. my wife um, hardly ever listens to this pod, <laughs> uh, and she listened to the AI one because I was so enthusiastic about it, and she really enjoyed it as well. Yeah, so, I think Fran's yeah. got a real gift, not only for understanding these very difficult topics, but also explaining them. Yeah, communica- communicating complex ideas is difficult. Um, and, you know, even though I was trying my best to... Um, to uh, tell some stupid jokes, and uh, she was kept on track by talking about the actual subject. So she has to be commended for that. An unexpected level of um, early philosophy in the in the pod as well. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, that was good. Yeah, that was very good. So thanks to Fran. Yeah. Um, I think we might do. Know, I was going to suggest we might do a podcast, which is a bit of a follow up from our Lover's Fear podcast. Oh, yeah, I'd like to do that, yeah. Um, which might be called Hope Versus Fear. Because mm. I've been reading this book, uh, which I won't mention, and we'll get into it if we do it. Okay. Which is, is given gives some reasons for hope. Okay, I'm intrigued. So yeah. maybe we'll do something about that. No, I would like to follow that one up, definitely. Mm. Re- mm. Reasons to be cheerful. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good name for a podcast. Or indeed a song. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cool, have you got any plugging? Uh, yes, uh, I have a podcast feed um, called uh, Movie Mashup. No camel case, no caps. You can subscribe no case, using no iTunes caps. or indeed your your podcasting app of choice. It's uh, short, pithy movie reviews, movie and TV and you know, stuff like that. Non-spoilerish. No, yeah, no, no spoilers. Um, so I do that uh, for my, you know, again for my own benefit, pretty much like this podcast. <laughs> That's my plugging. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, I, you know, I promised last time that I was working on a YouTube video. You did. Yeah, I'm still working on it. Okay. <laughs> but I'm also working on another one. Oh. Um, these are both programming related ones. Right. The okay. one I'm working on now is um, uh, I wrote. Uh, snake. I like to write snake in lots of different programming languages. Snake, the little game where you eat, eat apples. Yeah. Um, I wrote it in uh, Kotlin using Kotlin JS. Mm-hmm. It was quite fun. So I shall I shall be making a, a video explaining what I learned by doing that. Okay, that sounds good. That's coming soon. Other otherwise, basically the um, the plugging we want to do is to say. Um, uh, why not subscribe to this podcast, The Good Robot Andes, um, so that then it will always be available in your podcatcher whenever you, always. whenever we make a new one. Yes. Why not rate it with a very high rating? Yeah, the highest possible, please. The highest possible rating. Why not tell your friends? All your friends. Also, um, I suggest following at Good Robot Andes at Mastodon.social mm. on the Fediverse. Uh, or at Good Robot Andes on Twitter, if you're still on Twitter. I'm still on Twitter. I've started looking at it yeah. again, actually. Have you? How's that affecting your it, mental health? Not well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, stick to Mastodon. Yeah, definitely. It's better. Yeah. Um, yeah, mm. or you can subscribe on iTunes if that's your bag. Yep. Yeah. Although um, you can even get gone. 
for Mac users won't be able to subscribe on iTunes because iTunes is going bye-bye on Mac. Right, but there must be some way of... Yes. What? Apple Podcasts, which is there. Okay, okay. Which is there. That's okay. the thing that's existed for quite a long time. Okay, so I assume that still allows you to subscribe yes. to things that are listed on Absolutely, the iTunes Absolutely, yes, list. it does. Mm-hmm. But on Windows, iTunes is not going away. Okay, whatever. Yeah, exactly. Do I look like I care? It sucks anyway. Um, did you know you can also listen to the Good Robot Andes on SoundCloud? You can. We only have a free SoundCloud account, so I delete the old episodes when I put up the new ones. But you can, the new ones are always on there, so you can listen on there. Great. Or you can listen on Stitcher or TuneIn, or you can just subscribe using your podcatcher. I would suggest, by the way, if you're looking for, if you've not, you've done this before, or you're not happy with the, the your podcatching program, um, I would suggest AntennaPod. AntennaPod for Android uh, is a, a decent program for downloading podcasts, and they can they can. So when I said you can download them automatically, whenever we make a new one, it'll just be there ready for you. That would be using a program like AntennaPod, an app like AntennaPod that you can get on the uh, Play Store or you can get on the F-Droid Store where you get free oh, software. So it's stuff. properly free? It's proper free. Not like ad-supported or anything like that? No. No, yeah, no adverts. Good. It's just written by people who wanted a podcatcher, so they wrote one. Cool. Excellent. And it's good. Noise. Is that it? Is that it? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, if you want to find us, just use your favourite search engine. Type in Good Robot Andes. There's no one else called that. You should find us. You would definitely find us if you search for that. Leave a comment on the blog, listener. Yes, please. We love you. <laughs> or tell us you're listening. You just tell us you're we'd, listening. We'd like to know. I'm listening. Like just know. say, I'm listening. Or send us a fake movie title and we'll do your plot summary. Yeah, fake movie title, please. Or send us a plot summary for a real movie Ooh, title. Yeah, plot summary in which we can invent a movie title. Hold on, what? <laughs> okay. Or what about a plot summary and we have to guess the real movie title that you used to do it with? Oh, okay. That's quite meta. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, just anything would, would make us happen. Anything at all, yeah. That's it. But until then, see you next time. Yes, thank you very much. 